everybody, and welcome to more of a comment than a question. My name is Smriti Mehta, and joining me is my co-host, Paul Connor. Paul, how are you doing today? I'm well, uh, thanks, Smriti. Um, I've had a okay day. I've actually just been playing around with some data, and uh, nice. I joined the, uh, the journal club today, and there was like 40 people in that call. Oh, wow. I did not make it today. How was it? I was okay. I left early because I, I guess I just felt like, well, I'm not going to really contribute because there's so many mm, people. So many people. Um, but it was cool. And I've been playing this, uh, I downloaded this uh, golf app and I've been playing, uh, playing against <laughs> randoms, on the, randoms on the internet in uh, this golf app and oh getting addicted to it. And yeah. so losing productivity to that. But that's pretty much been my day. So you missed a discussion at Journal Club at Haas Business School, we should mention, um, in order to go play golf with randos on the internet. Well, not exactly. I kind of skipped out of it to go to lunch, but <laughs> mm. I'm, I'm losing data analysis time to play golf against random people. On <laughs> okay. But let me ask you, because I've always thought, what is the purpose of going to journal clubs like that? Is it to contribute or is it to, you know, understand how, mm. you know, these professors and academics are thinking about, mm. right? Uh, I guess both. Um, mm. Yeah, good. I mean, good point. Like, just because I'm not going to talk doesn't mean I couldn't get anything yeah, out of it. Mean. Yeah, totally. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I think I know most of the things that those people know already. So <laughs> they've, they've worn out their usefulness to me. No, I'm kidding. Um, but it was... I wonder why people don't like you, no, I, what, you what, people don't like me? <laughs> um, no, it, the, the discussion was a little dry because the paper was kind of fine... Uh, nobody had enormous problems with it methodologically. And then it just became a, a bit of a, a sort of not that interesting discussion about the implications of the paper. I don't, I don't know. It, it wasn't, um, wasn't grabbing me Very. the discussion. Yeah. And with that many people, and especially the online format, because mm. we have to, everything has to be done on Zoom now. Mm. It's just very awkward. Like people don't know who should talk when. It, yeah. 40 people is way it's too many for a journal club. It's a, it's like, a lot. Yeah. A journal club should be, I don't know, 10, 10 people yeah. or less. But they can't really, you know, kick people. They can't set a limit no. on who can join and who cannot, unfortunately. No, and it's yeah. great. Like, because there was people who used to be at Berkeley and are now like living yeah. in New York and they were able to mm -hmm. contribute and um, join in, which is cool, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so speaking about talking about papers, do you want to introduce today's topic? Mm, sure. Uh, so this week we're talking about um, the recent, uh, what should we call it? Um, Retracted. Corey Clark Gate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, um, Corey Gate. The latest Corey Gate, at least. So, racial essentialism. Gate. Yeah. So, Corey Clark is originally from the States, I think. She's a professor. I think she works in the UK. Um, Bo Weingard is on the paper, too. He's a professor in the States. Mm -hmm. uh, recently lost his job, I believe. So, oh. not. I don't know who that is. Not in academia anymore. But I know that Corey Clark is um, a visiting scholar at NYU currently. Oh, really? At Sloan, I Interesting. believe. Interesting. Yeah, I yeah. didn't know that. Um, I thought her not affiliation. At Sloan, sorry, at 
Heterodox Academy. Ah, okay, right, right, right. Yeah, which is uh, sort of leads us into the topic because so Clark and Weingard are sort of well known for having quite heterodox views, mm-hmm. um, and they're really um, they've argued many times, and in a recent Psychological Inquiry Target article, argued that. Um, like there's a li- strong liberal bias in social psychology um, and that, you know, we don't hold liberal ideas and conservative ideas to the same level of scrutiny, which right. I guess um, relates to the t- this this incident. Mm-hmm. So what, what essentially happened is they published a paper in Psychological Science, which is mm-hmm. one of our top journals. Um, and the paper was purporting to show that... Um, over time, um, if countries become less religious, uh, they become the people become more violent, or they commit more homicides. Was the key dependent variable? However, right. this only happens in countries with relatively low IQs. So the point of the paper, or their take-home conclusion of the paper, is that secularization is all well and good in uh, high IQ countries. But it's dangerous in low IQ countries because secularization or reduced sort of adherence to religion and religious norms mm-hmm. can lead to greater violence. Um, the idea being that people in these countries without religion can't control themselves and just start killing people at, at higher rates. <laughs> and OK, so that was the paper. It got a lot of criticism. I don't really know how it all played out. Andrew Gelman, um, who is a statistician at Columbia, I believe, mm-hmm. he uh, somebody sent him a, an email. Uh, de- In January. January. Okay, apparently. wow. Yeah. A while ago, wow. Yeah, so the, the, when the preprint came out, apparently, this person, I think Keith, somebody contacted um, Andrew Gelman. Mm-hmm. So Gilman wrote a blog post about it. His blog, his blog's really popular. Um, and among nerds, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, he was criticizing it on a lot of grounds. But it, I don't know. Have you read Gilman's blog? Yeah, I read. Yeah, yeah. so you yeah, like a few few pieces here and there. Yeah. Um. He, you know, it, I, I like the blog. Mm. Yeah. Oh, no, I guess I meant his, oh, this his blog. particular blog. Definitely, yeah, yes, okay. I have yeah. read this blog. So how would you summarize his main arguments contra the paper? So he, I mean, he starts out by pointing that there are methodological issues, but his main point to me seems like even if there were no methodological issues and they could have used some different data set to address this question um, you know, in a better way, he's claiming that that's still a very like racist stance to hold. Mm. Like, like that the, 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 the claims that they're making mm. from does not sort of, um, they cannot make those claims based on this, the analyses that they're running essentially is his main point. And he's really, um, honing in on this phrase that they used of like sociosexual, what is it? Um, that they're saying, oh, you know, all of these things are good for us, these highly educated, weird cultures, but that, you know, countries that are less educated cannot handle it. Mm. And that is what he seems to have a problem with. Yeah, well, they, 
I haven't read the entire their entire paper, but it seems to me that they never m- sort of mention weird versus non-weird or or racial groups. They they really just talk about high IQ countries versus low IQ countries. So, um, reading, I mean, you, yeah. So the problem is that I guess to me the thing that really upsets people about this paper is this idea that. Um, different countries have different IQs and that we can divide the world up into high IQ countries and low IQ countries, um, which I guess, yeah, I mean, everybody describes this paper as scientific racism, right? So Mm -hmm. I guess it's people see it as promoting this view that different groups have different levels of cognitive ability. I think that's the key issue, right? So I think you're right that that is the key issue, but what I find really surprising is nobody pointing out that the fact that they're calling the data that they're using IQ is just not warranted at all because they're using things like, you know, PISA and, you know, these scholastic achievement tests. Like, are we, like, can we really say that that correlates directly with the IQ of a country? Like... Isn't that kind of a big claim to make without justifying that? I, I'm not sure, honestly. Like, I thought they did use IQ measures or at least measures where people were trying to were, were trying to create a measure of IQ. I think, but some of the data was sort of, it was imputed based on other things like the things you're talking about, like educational attainment and, and stuff like that. So here's the thing. They use three separate estimates of IQ. One is the national from the national IQ data set. Um, so one of them, they just call it a set of psychometric test data. And I'm not sure what that means. That might be some, I didn't look into it, unfortunately. We could use a timeout, but um, that's one of them. The second one, um, it uses like PISA, which is, you know, Progress in International Reading and Literacy, oh, sorry, Program of International Student Assessment. These are all tests that students take in like, you know, seventh, eighth, 10th grade mm-hmm. or something like that. So I think a lot of data is coming from those sources mm-hmm. where it's not directly a measure of IQ. It's just these standardized tests, mm-hmm. um, international standardized tests that students take when they're in school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure if it's okay. Like, I'm not saying it's not, but I'm not sure if that's like a good measure. Yeah, and right. to call it well, just IQ without, yeah. It's probably worth separating the complaints though, right? Because there's a lot of study a yeah. lot of studies are published with data that's not ideal right or like data that is chosen because it's the best available thing to try mm-hmm. to measure something that you're interested in um but it's and and that's a valid criticism of this paper but i i i don't know i like to me the reason it's that it's retracted is not is not that even though that that was co- like so i guess maybe our, my lead in didn't even get to that but the paper has now been retracted Corey Clark um, just posted something on Twitter and essentially, well, okay. So now I'm going to, there is an official retraction as well. Contradict myself because she actually said in Twitter that they had decided to retract it based on criticisms of the data, Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is interesting because this whole thing played out. And I guess the official story is, uh, we published this paper, um, there was a lot of noise about the paper uh, and, and the noise, you know, the, the criticism was clearly not just 
there are statistical problems, there's methodological problems with it. The, the criticism was this, this uh, evokes racist ideas. Like this feels like race science and this feels like a racist hypothesis, right? Yeah, yeah. So you're, cor you're correct. But the reason I brought up, and I know you're trying to say like we should separate these arguments, but the reason I brought up this distinction is because I think there's this all like, you know, hoopla about it because it's referring to IQ, which people automatically associate with just how intelligent you are. Like what if instead of calling it IQ, they just said like scholastic aptitude mm -hmm. or something that actually, yeah, I, more, I, well, right? would that I, lead to the same backlash? I think you're, you're right. That it probably wouldn't. And I, I reading yeah. the paper, there were so many moments where I was like, wow, you really chose to word that in a terrible yeah. way. Like even in the abstract, they refer to, less cognitively gifted people yeah it's mm -hmm. like i like so me to be honest like i'm not offended by the idea that some countries would have higher mean iqs right. than other countries because like mm -hmm. it's pretty well known that environments influence iq yeah. and it's a very obvious thing that different countries have very different environments i, I mean i traveled through western africa like i know that the environment there is very very different to the environment i grew up in in melbourne australia so that that idea doesn't offend me, but it like I mean even me right like and I I, I try to be pretty like open minded and scientific about these questions. But referring to those people as less cognitively gifted, I think the word gifted suggests like inborn in 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 a, in a way that they just didn't have to do. Like mm -hmm. that yeah. sentence could have just said countries with lower mean scores on IQ tests. And that, or the yeah, yeah, or just yeah, the choice to call it IQ versus something else. Mm. Like they could have easily just avoided. Yeah, so yeah. I, I don't know if it's a conscious choice to create this, well, they, you know, controversy. But they say in the intro they're interested in intelligence and self-control, and they yeah. end up focusing on intelligence because there's no data on self-control at the country level or no good data. So I get like if intelligence is what you're interested in, I, I guess I don't totally mind um mm -hmm. using iq and and i don't i guess i don't totally mind using the best available data even if it's totally patchy so but just because this is what all social scientists who are doing these regressions at, at the country level do and i hate this kind of research honestly like i think it's a minefield for the garden of forking paths and researcher degrees of freedom mm -hmm. and just when you start to talk about the country level everything correlates with everything and you can like, I mean, I've done this kind of work and it just like trying to specify a model where you're going to make conclusions about the world based on a coefficient in that model being diff significantly different from zero is such it's like I, I feel that it gets very close to being useless just because of because of the crud effect, because everything correlates with everything, um, because of the impossibility of knowing the true causal model and the fact that unless you do specify the true causal model, your coefficients are biased. So like you're making conclusions based on something that you really know cannot not be biased. Anyway, um, I'm getting off track, but okay. Yeah, what I was going to say, a lot of papers use bad data and I would say almost all papers that try to do country level stuff use, use bad data. So yeah. I just, I don't think that's why this paper's retracted, even though Corey Clark has said that's why she 
chose to retract it. And I kind of believe that. But, well, I guess I don't really believe it. I think what happened is she has realized that there's flaws in the data, but also realizes that in this moment, uh, yeah. it, it, you know, in this moment, you really need to retract that paper or you, yeah. there's going to be a shitstorm and you're going to lose your job. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Did you read their discussion section? I didn't get to the discussion section, actually. Okay. I mean, most of the paper sounded reasonable to me. I did, like, I think you, I, you know, thought, like, yeah, why are they... I thought there was a problem with just calling it IQM. Like, they could have easily called it something else. Or, And the other thing is, of course, that they're... Not only are they using all these measures that maybe don't correlate one-to-one with IQ and calling it IQ, but they're also actually... What they're really interested in is is self-control. And they're saying, oh, but IQ is correlated with self-control. So we're going to measure IQ and assume that, right? So they're just making all these leaps. um, And I just, I'm not sure how I feel about that. But the rest of the paper seemed, you know, whatever. But in the end, they do say a few things, which are like, I can see why people are upset about it. Um, And this is, I think, the um, one part that Andrew Gelman really, like, quoted a few times in his um, blog. Um, So in In their discussion, they say, we suspect that similar patterns might emerge for numerous cultural narratives. The prescriptive values of highly educated groups, example, secularism, but also libertarianism, criminal justice reform, and unrestricted sociosexuality, among others, may work for groups that are highly cognitively sophisticated and self-controlled, but they may be injurious to groups with lower self-control and cognitive ability. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, yeah, that just does not sound yeah great at all like this is the discussion yeah. though right yeah i mean this is a discussion does when i was taught in your discussion that is when you do just speculate right like i that's when you do go beyond your data and you talk about potential implications what you potentially think about the world so i think what the objection is to that is that that at least one of the authors probably Corey Clark as the, as the main author is sort of talking about something that she potentially thinks about the world and people find that really offensive. Um, I guess because it ev- it evokes the idea that uh, there's some countries or some races that are just not as cognitively gifted as us mm-hmm. and it's this patronizing idea of those people like certain need, ideas need religion that, to keep them in check certain ideas that we the cognitively gifted can handle those groups maybe can't handle um and that's what that's what people are really angry about that insinuation that seemed to be gelman's main yeah gripe with it right for uh, on ideological grounds yeah that does seem to be his gripe I, yeah, it's... What, what do you think? I mean, I was th- trying to think, okay, just at the ba- most basic level, do I buy their argument that people who are smarter have more self-control? If you have more self-control, you need less outside things to tell you what's right and wrong? Quite... And that's why hmm. you're going to... Right? That's kind of what they're... That's the argument they're making, right? I mean, on its face, it has some plausibility, Right. right? So if you are, say you're a very stupid person, uh, but you're mm-hmm. also very religious, right? Right. Uh, you, and you're taught the Ten Commandments and you're like, oh, I really want to, this guy made me really angry. I really want to kill them, but uh, it's, against, it's against my religion. Can't kill, right? 
I mean, it it that that just like straight up injunction might work for you. Whereas like, if you don't have that religious injunction and you've been taught, yeah, there's no God. We nobody knows why we're here and stuff like that. And you get really angry at somebody and you want to kill them it does take us at least a certain low amount of intelligence to think, well, I want to kill that guy. However, if I do, I might go to jail. Uh, I might get caught. I, he might, I might fail at the task of killing him. It, it would be better in the long term for me not to kill this person. Like that does take a certain amount of intelligence. So it's not, I don't know, but I mean the, the, the threat of jail is still there, whether or not you're religious or not. Yeah, but jail is not as scary as hell, right? And also, you know, like the you you know for sure you're going to go to hell if you're a believer and you kill somebody. You know it's a sin. There's no escaping the eye of God. But you can think, <laughs> I'm the police might not catch me if I kill this person. I don't know. I think like I guess what I'm trying to say is, is like it's not it's not a complete non-starter to think that. Um, if if people do have low intelligence or low self-control that for some of those people like strong religious norms could prevent them from doing certain violent dangerous things in a way that uh if you take away those norms just their their capacities for thinking about well you know i i should not kill this person because you know, enlightened self-interest or, you know, just kind of basic altruism. Uh, that's not the kind of society I want to live in where one where people do that kind of thing. I mean, it's, yeah, like to, to have enlightened self-interest, you need to be enlightened, I guess would be the, the, the really quick summary of the hypothesis, which to me is not a, it's not a non-starter at least. I mean, I, yeah, I guess I wouldn't like, I'm not as offended by, you know, entertaining that idea as some other people might be, but I, I don't think I buy that argument completely either. Well, no, I mean, I, I guess I the, th the weird thing to me and the thing that really is weird about this paper is why, why focus on IQ, right? Like even if different countries have different levels of IQ, like clearly there's all sorts of explanations for that in terms of like the socioeconomic development of those countries and mm -hmm. the environments within those countries. So like, like, unless I guess here's, here's the rub, right? Like, unless you do think that groups have like innate differences in IQ and it's not just to do with environmental factors, um, then there's this question of what, like, why is IQ an interesting IV here. Like it's just kind of, it, it, cause if you see national differences in IQ as being environmentally caused, then IQ is just like a mediator of this mm -hmm. effect, but they've really based the whole paper around IQ and, and sort of posited IQ to be this core causal variable when it's pretty obvious to me that even if this effect is real, and even if there's some plausibility to this hypothesis, then the real, the real IVs that you're interested in is relative socioeconomic development in countries. I thought their core causal like IV was self-control, which they're like, Oh, but we can't measure it at the, mm. 
you know, there's no measures of it at the country level. So we're going to use IQ instead. Well, they kept saying intelligence and self-control, intelligence and self-control. Yeah. And as, as I was reading but, the but introduction, I, I was like, you know, yeah. you're going somewhere with this, aren't you? Like, But I think, I mean, IQ and self-control are correlated, right? Not Maybe not super strongly. I actually don't know what that literature mm. is like um, mm. on self-control, but... Mm. Well, yeah, so that, yeah, I'm not sure about that literature either, but like I, going back to what I was saying, like that, Mm -hmm. one of the real methodological gripes I had with the paper is that, so they sort of, they try to control for GDP, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But there's this principle that if you're, if the effect you're interested in is a interaction, so the effect they're interested in is the interaction between IQ and religiosity. And you want to, you think that GDP might potentially confound that. So uh, Mm -hmm. you need, you can't just control for GDP. You need to control for the interaction between GDP and religiosity. Uh, It's called interaction effects need interaction controls. There's a really good blog on this by Yuri Simonson. Uh, And so the key, the key model they set up just has this massive flaw in it. And a reviewer asks them to do this, right? A reviewer um, asks them to include interaction controls. So they do in their multiverse analysis, but mm-hmm. I was crunching the numbers and I like, as far as I can tell, they ran 171 models and only yeah. four of those models included the interaction between GDP and religiosity, right? So this is, it's really like something pretty crucial um, to what they're trying to do. And they, their model kind of implicitly acknowledges that GDP is an important potential confound. Oh, and on that, they never actually even say that they're using GDP per capita, which is incredibly insane, right? Because their homicide rate is per capita, their IQ... Okay, we're back. It looks like it is per capita. Their uh, their reference that they give um, is called World Development Indicators GDP, uh, and then in parenthesis per capita. So, okay, I'm wrong about that, but I'm not wrong about the need to control for uh, the interaction between GDP uh, oh, yeah, and yeah, religiosity, and the fact that they don't do that in their key models in their multiverse, which. I, can I also ask a question? Sure. They also said that it, was, it had a huge range, and then they used the square root of the GDP per capita. Yeah. Is that transformation legitimate? Like, is that cool to do? Uh, well, yeah, it, it's an interesting question. I mean, it, it's done, right? It's when, if you have a highly positively skewed variable and you want to make mm-hmm. it more normal. Um, yeah. I, I guess you do it... <laughs> In this case, it's weird because essentially you would do it if for an independent variable if you suspected that there was a nonlinear relationship. Um, because when you mm. transform something and then you fit a linear relationship on the transform variable, what you're essentially doing is you're fitting a nonlinear uh, curve. And with something like GDP, a lot of things are nonlinearly related. Um, mm. So. Yeah, not totally crazy that you would do that, but you, okay. I mean, one thing that uh, probably Frederick Thunison from Berkeley would tell you to do <laughs> is like actually check and see if it has got a nonlinear relationship before you model 
uh, a nonlinear relationship, yeah. especially with a control variable. I don't think there's huge problems there. You want to like, and that's another thing too, with this kind of uh, analysis, you just because you included something in the model doesn't mean you control for it. it if there's measurement error um, in a control variable, you haven't actually controlled for it. So just saying, oh, look, the interaction term we're interested in is still significant after including these control variables doesn't prove anything if those control variables may still have measurement error, which everything, everything yeah. at the country level is going to have measurement error. You c like the actual thing that they're trying to control for when they control for GDP is this enormously mm -hmm. cons complex construct, right? Like just how, de mm -hmm. how developed a country is, like where, mm -hmm. how uh, conducive people's environments were to... I don't know, uh, educational attainment or, or whatever. Or, you know, I mean, development could just, you know, be something that prevents people committing homicide for all sorts of reasons, right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, it yeah, yeah. interacts with. Yeah, there's less. Yeah. More religiosity. I mean, poverty just leads to crime. We know more, that, right? More power stations, right? Like the per power stations per capita, yeah. uh, where, you know, people are playing on their power stations so they don't go out and kill people. I, like, it's, it's this like enormously concept, complex variable in itself, which they're trying to mm -hmm. control for via this single yeah. number. Um, and they're not even doing that right. Cause they don't even include the interaction control. So this is why I hate this kind of research. Like it's, it's so, and the, the, like, how I mean, would you include the interaction control? Well, you would just include the interaction between your religiosity indicator and GDP. Don't they do that? No. You said only in four of them. Yeah, only in four of the multiverse. 171. Four out of yeah. 171. Yeah, exactly. So, mm. and that to me, that's another problem. Like, I don't really like multiverse analyses. And this, this is my problem with them. Because if I say there's an effect of X on Y, right? Mm -hmm. But in reality, um, the effect of X on Y is confounded by Z right mm -hmm. that that's the truth like uh, z influences y and z influences x so i could show like in a model that x has no effect on y controlling for z um okay so say i do a multiverse and i fit 171 models and only four of those models control for z mm. i can still say like because only four of the models are going to show that like the effect of X goes away when you put Z in the model. So I can still say, well, in the vast majority of these models, X had an effect on, on Y. Therefore, this is really strong evidence that X has an effect mm. on Y. But it's like, it does, like, and this is the crazy thing, I think, about multiverse and specification curve analysis is that like, it doesn't matter what the bulk of models says. The only thing that matters is what the best model says or what the true model says. And... And then, like, the obvious response is, well, but we don't know what the true model is. And then what I would say is, yes, that's why you don't do this. Kind of, that's why you don't do this kind of research. <laughs> like, if you, because here's the thing, if you can do an experiment and randomly assign a variable, you do know what the true mm -hmm. model is. Right. You do know that Y is a function of your manipulation plus random noise. Right. Uh -huh. you, so like then you can make unbiased causal inferences about the effect of your manipulation. But yeah. this kind of research it's just impossible. And it's everybody doing this kind of research is trying to make causal inferences. Like it's, it's a, like, I mean, apart from maybe Steven when he does his um, personality stuff, but this, this research yeah. here is clearly about causal effects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. 
Um, but then, so what, like, what's the, what's the alternative? Just not do this, like, not do, like, country-level research at all or leave it to sociologists? I don't know. <laughs> leave it to sociologists. Like... <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know because, like, definitely some research like this has merits. Like, surely some research like this has merits. Uh, but so much, of it, so much of it doesn't. Like, And, I mean, our field now has decided that we'll be better off without this particular paper, right? And yeah. ultimately what has convinced Corey Clark, I mean, she claims is that these problems with this data. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I don't like, I don't think we're going to retract all the other papers that use this data set, these data sets, right? We, I mean, yeah, true. it was, it's just a, it's, it's, it's a, it's terrible research, I think. And almost all research mm-hmm. like, like this is pretty bad. And it has these weird racial overtones that they really didn't do like didn't do themselves any favors with some of the language no. they use like talking about less cognitively oh. gifted people my god like just unnecessary yeah yeah like get, get, i'd love to love to hear them unpack that word gifted because i mean like i don't like i don't know so bo weingard the i mean the reason he lost his job is because he is like I don't know if he like is totally committed to it, but he's like very open to the idea that population groups differ in like innately in IQ and stuff like that. Oh, innately. Yeah. Cause they do defer. Yeah, but right. I think most people, most reasonable people would, you know, say that the, you know, mm. there's nothing innate about it. Right. Yeah. Right. You raise kids in better environments with better nutrition, mm. better exposure to, um, mm. you know, things and they grow up to be more intelligent. Like, yeah, yeah. So I just, yeah, like I really, I mean, everybody, yeah, like every, everybody who was cheering when, when Bo lost his job is certain that, you know, he has strong beliefs that some races mm-hmm. are innately more intelligent than others. And mm. yeah, it's, it's weird. I mean, I don't like, we don't have good evidence of that. Um, so to, to believe that strongly, you're clearly going beyond the data. I mean, I mean, people have all sorts of beliefs where they go beyond the data, but that's, I mean, that's yeah, obviously... But they're not writing scientific papers about it. Well, I, I mean, I would say that a lot of people write scientific papers and go far beyond the data, in, especially in the discussion section. I mean, we're taught, that's what we're taught we're supposed I mean, to but do. There, but... But, but no, no, but, but no, no, it's not about going far beyond the data. You can, you can make... You can make inferences based on your data, as right? But, I mean, the same data can lead to different inferences by different people. Yeah, totally. Right? Different interpretations. And there's definitely right? different and, merits. Right. Yeah, you can interpret it differently, mm. and, and some might be better than the others. Right, I, right, I right, think. right. Uh, and I guess the way that you... It's like a Rorschach test. Like, the way that you interpret you, mm-hmm. ambiguous data with multiple interpretations people read a lot into that right and and in this yeah. case with Corey Clark and Bo Weingard people just read in well you know you're a flaming racist and bigot because this is the conclusion that you know you you sort of come to right. based on this ambiguous data based and these terrible data sets and stuff like that and like yeah all right so we went really off the rails and we didn't think the last half hour of our conversation was very good, but, um, Smriti thinks I can potentially edit it. I'm not as confident, but this part that we're recording now is going to be theoretically the end of the podcast. So 
what else should we say to wrap this up, Smriti? Um, I think, I mean, I think overall they probably were right to take this paper off, like retract this paper. Um, and I think, you know, like I said, their choice of like the labels that they're using and, you know, the claims that they're making are a bit far-fetched. Um, but I also think on the other hand that some of the backlash that you get, they're just such knee-jerk reactions and people, you know, don't look at actual, like, like I think people just assume certain, like impute certain intentions, um, mm. whether or not they exist. Mm. Or, you know, maybe I, I think it's good to give people the benefit of the doubt. Mm. Um, mm. So, yeah. Yeah. I think um, I agree. Uh, as I was reading it, I <clears throat> certainly felt like that the retraction was probably appropriate. Um, I definitely think like if you want your work to be held up to a high degree of scientific uh, scrutiny, have heterox heterodox views, you know, like, <laughs> right, you know, but like it, that it's definitely a good way that um, people will not use the kid gloves with you. And I, it, to some extent it's, it's a really good thing. And I wish that all of our work was held to the same, um, same scrutiny that, um, that this work was held to, but then it wasn't, it got through the review process quite, quite easily. So it's, it's yeah. like, this is all kind of happened post peer review. So, um, I mean, that sort of suggests that, maybe it it wasn't held to a particularly high degree of scrutiny. I think it seems like they've bent over backwards to like deal with reviewer comments. Like it seems mm. to me, you know, the, the entire multiverse analysis yeah. potentially came after a mm -hmm. review and yeah, uh, I think they swapped out measures and data and went back to the Yeah. And board. they had like two different, they had somebody do some Bayesian analysis on it. Then they had an outside reviewer go through this stuff. Mm -hmm. Did you read that? No, no. I thought that, Oh, so they apparently had somebody, um, they talked about how, yeah, the, the, the results might not be this, mean the same thing across different cultures. So they had somebody come in and run some sort of Bayesian, Bayesian um, analyses on it. And then they also had like an external reviewer look at all the different, um, their models and stuff. Um, I didn't read the details of it, but. It's funny how uh, just, you can just use that word Bayesian and like it just intimidates people because like so, so few people know how to do Bayesian statistics. So it's like, Oh, but we had somebody do a Bayesian analysis. Into, oh, people are like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, they, <laughs> sounds, sounds good. Sounds, sounds impressive. Um, I actually took I a mean, course in Bayesian statistics and it's not that exciting. Trust me. It's, I mean, it sounds like almost the same thing, except you're just, instead of the likelihood, you're estimating the posterior, right? Hmm. Yeah, like more, more, more or less. Um, or, or you're, yeah, what I understand from it is, yeah. Pretty, anyway. yeah, like it's going to tell you a very similar thing unless you have a strong prior, which like yeah. you rarely do. So I, I kind of did this course and came away from the course just thinking, yeah, like I, that, that was hard. <laughs> and I don't know if I... I don't know if there's enough practical usefulness there for me to. Yeah, and the with whole that. concept of prior makes no sense to me because I'm like, uh, isn't the whole idea not to have priors when you're doing mm -mm. research? Well, I mean, yeah. they would say it's crazy not to have a prior, 
right? They and they would say like if if I if you find that ESP is true at p below 0.05, you should mm-hmm. not now be confident that ESP is true because you should have a very strong prior that it's not true. That it's right, and that I, is I get how that. I get that. we reason. But, but in actual practice of mm-hmm. like, so I did um, like ridge regression. Mm-hmm. And lots of regression, mm-hmm. which are considered sort of a form of Bayesian regression, mm-hmm. right? Because you're including this prior. But your prior is literally like a restriction that you're putting on your coefficients, mm-hmm. saying, oh, I'll only accept coefficients that are sort of, you know, within this um, fit a normal distribution. So I'm kind of giving a penalty there too. That doesn't sound like a prior in the sense that, oh, I have this like theoretical prior. Yeah. Um, well, in the mo- yeah, I mean, in most cases... If you have a hypothesis, you think that that's true, right? So, like, your prior is that the hypothesis is true. Um, so, it then becomes sort of easier to find effects because the prior is going to sort of shift the posterior in a yeah, favorable direction that, to your yeah, hypothesis. That's my, so, that's yeah, that's my point. Um, like, like, we know humans are biased. I thought the whole idea was mm. not to be like, yeah, like, because... You, if you can say that, oh, I have this bias that it doesn't exist, but when you're talking about things that are not as clear-cut as ESP, mm. then you'll have some people that will look at different sets of data and come up with different priors. Like, it's happening all around us, like in politics, right? Yeah. You have people coming up with completely different ideas, mm. even the same data, can, right? So we're digressing totally I again. I love that. Yeah, we I was going to say, I love that we had re-recorded the ending and then went <laughs> off the rails again. We might... <laughs> We don't need to do this right that time. No, we, I think if we just put a pin in it now. Yeah, anyway, um, nice paper, Corey Clark. A- another, we, another, we'll discuss Bayesian statistics at some point. Yeah, we, we're glad you retracted it, Corey. And, um, yeah, d- don't be racist. <laughs> yeah. do, better, do better, Corey. Do better. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Well, great talking to you, Paul, and look forward to speaking next week. Yep. Thanks for next week.